Revelations chapter 1. Um, and I want to say this before we read. Um, the church is viewed in the world today, um, I guess you could say, uh, when people look at the church, they have a lot of bad things to say about the church. Um, but that's not necessarily wrong. I mean, that's not necessarily bad for us because if they, if they liked us, that means there's something we're doing wrong. But, but one thing that I've seen um, in my life that's really changed is how people view the Lord's day. Now, I want you to know this is the Lord's day. This is Sunday, uh, the first day of the week. And, you know, it's sad, but I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't realize Sunday was the first day of the week, so I went to Bible college. Ain't that bad? Went to church my whole life, and I didn't realize it. Oh, really? That's amazing. But anyway, uh, it is the first day of the week. We don't, we don't, we don't honor the Sabbath day on Saturday. Uh, I know there's some cults that believe that. But when Jesus arose on the first day, on the Sunday, Brother Mark, that made this day special. And, and you know what's amazing is for over 2,000 years, God's people have been meeting on this day. Now, some of them had to be in hiding and in caves. And, you know, during the dark ages, there was, I mean, it got real small, the, the, the number of true believers and, and, and worshipers. But Brother Ty, since that day, this day has been honored by God's people every week for the last 2,000 years. And so this morning I want to preach about that. And if you would, would you stand with me? We'll read just a few verses in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. The Bible says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Look in verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and uh, Laodicea. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to help me now. As I attempt to do, Lord, that which I cannot do by myself. Lord, I want to preach, Lord, in the Spirit, by the Spirit, and through the Spirit's help and power. And I pray right now, Lord, you'd touch me again. Lord, I, I know I, I've preached for a long time, but I've not preached long enough where I don't need you. And I pray, God, that if there's anyone here today lost, I pray that you'd convict their heart right now. And Lord, I just pray that you'd show them, Lord, how miserable they are and how miserable they're going to be if they don't accept you as their Lord and Savior. For the rest that are saved, I pray they'll be helped, strengthened, encouraged. And Lord, may we all be drawn closer to Jesus Christ. For it's in His name we ask it. Amen and amen. amen. This morning I want to preach on those three words in verse number 10. The Lord's day. The Lord's day. And now there's some debate about this and... I'm not really going to get into that. Some people believe that John here is speaking about the day of the Lord, uh, and speaking in prophecy terms. You know, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. I don't believe that. In the New Testament, and after Jesus arose, they always talked about the first day of the week, about being the Lord's day, the day they gathered, the day they worshiped, the day they brought their tithes, their offerings. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and so I think with all my heart, he's speaking here 
is about, is about Sunday, the Lord's Day. And uh, that's what I want to preach about. There's no other day in your life that's more important than the Lord's Day. I thank God for payday, don't y'all? Amen. You say, I don't care about it, then just let them not pay you for a week, you'll care about it. I, I thank God for payday, I thank God for vacation days. Amen. Y'all need those from time. Even Jesus' disciples, they needed a vacation. If he gave them one, then, then who are... Who, I know some preachers... I mean, well, if Jesus told his disciples, come apart and rest a while, what kind of preachers? I know you don't need no vacation. Well, Jesus gave one to his disciples. So anyhow, I'm not going to get on that. But I thank God for that. Uh, you know, some of you love sick days. <laughs> it just happens they're always on Friday. You understand? <laughs> But the most important day we have is the Lord's Day. I want to say that we're living in a world and we're living in a culture that gives no no honor to this day. And we're living in a time, and you know, uh, we're living in in an age where we look at Sunday as our world looks at Sunday as just another day to do what you want to do. Just another day to, to, to go where you want to go and, and another day to uh, be involved with what you want. But here, John, uh, listen, John the Revelator had every excuse not to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I want to say, John, he did not have a preacher here on the Isle of Patmos. He didn't have, and listen, the numbers were really down this, on this Lord's Day. He was the only one there. But Larry, there were no pews there. There was, no, uh, there was no fellowship there. The choir didn't sing because there was no choir. There, were no, there was no great uh, uh, speakers showed up, no powerful evangelists. But John got up on this Sunday morning all by himself and he said, I'm going to give honor uh, to this day. I'm going to give respect to this day and I'm going to worship God on the Lord's day. Us preachers have different type of talk. All my preacher friends on Sunday night well, I mean, it's just like a, 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 I don't know what you call it, chain, text, chain. And it's like, it's just one, how was your day? How was your day? How was your day? And, uh, and, uh, and, and it's funny, some of the, some of the uh, you know, things that go on. But anyhow, but a lot of times, you know, this is what we'll say, we had a good day. We had a good day. And I believe if you were to go talk to John right now in heaven, and you said, John, on that day on the Isle of Patmos, was it a good day? He'd say, it was a good Lord's day. In fact, I'd say this was probably the best Lord's Day he had ever had in his life. I mean, here he is all alone. He gets up and he cleans up and he straightens and he gets ready and he says, well, I can't go to church. There's nowhere to go. I'm all alone. I can't hear a message. There's no one here to preach to me. And that morning, he had the greatest visitor you can have on the Lord's Day, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, John, I'm not going to let you worship alone. I'm not going to let you go to church by yourself. But right there on the Isle of Patmos, John and Jesus had church on the Lord's Day. You know, this morning you can have church if you got Jesus. That's all you need. You don't need a big building. You don't need fancy clothes. And, 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 and I mean, I thank God for the building we have and, and, and all the technology God's blessed us with. But did you know today all you need to have church is the Lord Jesus Christ. And John didn't have anything else, but he had Jesus. And if you were to talk to John, he'd probably say, that's the best Sunday I've ever had. It was on that day. And I want to talk about what makes for a good Lord's Day. What was it that made this such a good day? Let's look quickly this morning, verse number 9. 
I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice this morning, first of all, this, there's a witness here. A witness. John was a witness of Jesus Christ. I mean a faithful witness. You, you go down and everybody talks about Peter and his sermons and they talk about you know the different disciples and all, but I don't know of any that was a better than, the, than John the Beloved. And at this time when we read this text, John is the last living apostle on earth. He is it's, it's around 80, 90. They've all died. He's the last one standing. He's been burned. He's been boiled in oil. They couldn't burn him. They couldn't kill him. And so they decided just to put him on an island in isolation. Oh, uh, I can't I can't say his name. I believe Domitian, or, or I don't know. He was one of the emperors of Rome. They locked him on that island 15 miles from the nearest shore in the great sea there outside of uh, uh, in, in Asia Minor, and he's all alone. Uh, but listen, we're talking about this man is a faithful witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he is the real deal. Nobody can deny John was real and was authentic in his faith. He was a believer, amen? And John was the last one standing at the cross when everybody else ran and he had John that was still there adoring his Savior. John was the one Jesus said, hey, woman behold thy son. He, he is the one that Jesus gave mama to take care of. Right, you don't know what kind of Christian he was. Jesus told him to take care of his mama. Right. He was a witness. I want to say on the Lord's day when we come together here at the Lord's house on the Lord's day it's not about our bank accounts and our titles it's not doctors and lawyers and nurses and teachers and, 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 and construction work no, no, no what makes this special is we're witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ Amen and we have been partakers of the divine nature and we know Him who lived and died for our sins and rose again uh, what John, what made this man great was he was a witness. I, th I say thank God that I'm a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've witnessed what he can do. I witnessed it as a young man. I was told my whole life about him. I thank God I was. I was taught right and trained right. And in Sunday school and in children's church and in church, I was preached right. But thank God, on December 31st, 1998, I become a witness of him. Amen. I saw what he could do when he reached down for me and pulled me out of my sin and saved my soul. I became a witness of him. You say, why are you here this morning? Because I'm a witness, amen. I know what he can do. I've seen what he can do. And you know what? I want to identify with other witnesses too. You know, a lot of bads happened last year in so, so few months in this country. And a lot of bad's going on right now. I said this morning, I wasn't going to say nothing about politics or anything, but it's going to be real hard for me not to. Y'all know that's one of my weaknesses. They're telling us now that a child, 10-year-old child, should be able to make a decision about their gender without their parents' agreement. But they can't choose what school they go to. 
The parent can't pick what school a child goes to, but a child can determine what sex they are. Wicked. Their minds are evil. They're dark. You understand? They're, they're, and I don't know how that come up with this, but something about being a witness, I know that. But all I'm saying is, we're, oh, oh yes, here we are. I'm back. I'm back. Come here. Hey, my medication just kicked in. But listen, listen, we're, we're, we're living in a, one of the bad things that have happened. One of the bad things. One of the bad things that's happened is the assembling of God's people has become a, 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 even a less thing. We're not Facebook Live and praise God. So I can say this. There's a person, and I'm not going to name names, but somebody in our church has been wit- witnessing this lady, inviting her to come to church, trying to get them to come to church. I mean, begging them to come to church. They wouldn't come to church. And, and, and the other day on one of those live streams, and I'm not against live stream, we just, I forgot my phone downstairs and Brother Jerry's gone, so so be it. It'll be recorded and maybe she won't listen to this. But they commented on there and said, uh, just so you know, I visited your church today via TV. And I felt so bad for that person that's been praying and witnessing. Now listen to me. I'm glad people can stay at home and watch. I'm glad people can listen. But do you know there is nothing. There is nothing can take the place of getting around God's people in the house of God, worshiping and fellowshipping and assembling together. And this morning, John, listen, John was a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this. What have you witnessed in your life? Have you witnessed his saving power? Listen to me. A lot of people, the reason they don't testify is because they don't have a testimony. I'm not trying to... You understand a couple of months or six months or eight months ago, I I, I asked everybody if they would to... And I'm going to keep talking about it until all of you do it. I'm just going to keep on, keep on. But I said, uh, 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 would you please just take the time and write down your testimony. Put into words how you were saved. Because as a pastor, a preacher, I've had to preach a lot of funerals that I didn't know their testimony. I didn't know if they were. And I said, and boy, I want to tell you one of the greatest... Some of the greatest uh, uh, thrills I've had in the last six, eight... It's been reading those testimonies and reading people tell me how they were saved and how God have changed their life and listen this morning we are here because we are witnesses John was there on the Lord's day because John had seen him he had witnessed him and he said I know I'm not where I want to be this is not something this is a bad deal I'm in a bad place at a bad time but thank God he said I've witnessed him and I'm going to go to church anyhow he was a look at this in verse 9 he was a sympathetic witness he said I John now follow me who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. Now listen to this. Lord, show me this this week. That word companion, it means co-participant. John was thinking about his brothers and sisters who were suffering for their faith. Now, now you say, what, what is sympathetic about that? John had more problems than any of them did. I mean, as he takes, I put my pen, as he has that pen, he's got a, a hand that's scarred and marred from being burned in hot oil. 
And John, listen, he, 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 you, have you ever seen someone that was burned, how awful they look and how, 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 uh, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just bad. And, and here he is, a feeble 90 year old man with a body that's been scarred and marred and beaten and bruised and bludgeoned. And yet he writes it, takes out his pen and he says, I'm going to tell you, I'm thinking about what you're going through. I'm thinking about your tribulation. I'm thinking about your trouble and your problem. He was a sympathetic witness. And listen this morning, on the Lord's day, God's people, we ought to be sympathetic towards others and their suffering. No one deserved to suffer less than John. He had earned the right, Brother Mark. He should, I mean, if anybody had earned the right to get a pass on suffering, he had. I mean, all that he had seen, all that he had gone through, he was in, again, he was most agree around 90 years old. You would think at 90 years old uh, that the suffering would stop. You would think if that once he had gotten to that place and that in his ministry, I mean, apostle of the Lord, he, he gave us five books of the Bible. And you would think if anybody had earned the right to just have some peace, it was John. But instead, in the latter days of his life, he's still suffering. He's still hurting. He's still going through trials and tribulation. But he still did not become uh, so self-centered that he didn't care about what other people were going through. Listen to me. The older John got, the more like Jesus he was. Does that not sound like Jesus? Jesus is on the cross, right? He's done gone through. Let me say this. I believe he suffered in Gethsemane more than any man's ever suffered in Gethsemane. And then Brother Larry, they walked him down to Pilate's hall and began to mock him and, 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 and critique him and question him. And then they tied him to that whipping post and took that, that can of nine tails and, and 39 times across his back and laid open his back. And then and they smote him with their fists and, and said, prophesy, tell us who it was. And they stripped him of his garments and gambled upon his vesture and planted a crown of thorns on his head and laid a cross on his back and made him walk up to Calvary's hill. By the time he got there, he was in such pain that you and I, we can't even comprehend. Or, 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 I mean, it's impossible for us to be able to understand the suffering. And they, then on top of that, they nailed him to that cross and lifted him up between heaven and hell. And what's the first thing he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm saying this, if Jesus on the cross could have sympathy for others, if, if, if John on the Isle of Pat, he said, my companion, he said, my companions in tribulation, he was saying this, I'm concerned about what you're going through. I'm concerned if John could say that, if Jesus could say that, then you and I have got no right to cross our arms and to stick out our lip and say, woe is me. I have it worse than everybody else. Everybody pat me on the back. Everybody help me. That's not what church is about. He was a sympathetic witness. He was a suffering witness. 
He said, I was in the Isle of Patmos. The Isle that's called Patmos. They tell me this island's about 10 to 15 miles off the shore there. It's just a rocky, it's, it's, it's inhabitable. <laughs> Basically what they gave John was his own cell. They didn't want him to get around the other prisoners is what I think. They already seen what happened with Paul. When they done that with him, he wanted them to crash. And they put him on this island. This was an, un, I mean, this was a, this was a place where nobody would want to be. He was suffering. He was suffering uh, isolation. He, he, was, he was suffering uh, loneliness. He had no one to talk to him, no one to comfort him. And he's suffering. I want to say this morning, we're going to suffer for our faith. We already have and we will. The Bible says, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. He's suffering. He's suffering. We come to church on the Lord's day and we don't have, listen to me, I wish we could all just stop putting on and trying to convince others that we're just fine and everything's right. We come in, we're hurting, we've got problems. We're hurting, there's things going on in our life. There's things that if we could, do you think for one second if John could change this, he wouldn't change this? Brother Mark, I don't think he said, hey, hey, if y'all, if, uh, hey, hey, uh, Mr. Domitian, however you say your name, uh, I see that pot of oil over there, won't you heat it up and boil me in it? I don't think he did that. I don't think he said, hey, I, I, I want to ask you a, a question. Would you mind putting me out there 10 miles, 15 miles from shore and, and leave me all alone on a rocky desolate island? They said they'd bring food there about once every 7 to 10 days and throw it up, throw it on shore and leave. And, and, and listen, I don't think this is something John asked for or something that John wanted, but here he was, a suffering, a suffering witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Somehow, some way, some people think that the church is for people that have it all together. But I got news for you. This is not the truth. Church is for people who need it all put together. <laughs> One man said, we're not, a bunch of, we're not big shots. We're just a bunch of little shots that keep on shooting. Amen. And oh, listen tonight, today, we may be suffering, but John did not allow his suffering to keep him from showing up on the Lord's day. Listen, Lord, show me this. There was a reason for him being there. Do you believe that? How many knows this, that God can take the evil and the wicked devices of men and can turn it for His glory and honor? And I believe, Brother Larry, that if John had never been on the Isle of Patmos, we never would have had the book of Revelation. If John had stayed preaching and ministering, but he had to get here alone in God. What I'm trying to say is this, for whatever it is that you're suffering from, whatever it is that, that torments you and bothers you and brings you hurt and pain, and listen, you can just hold on and have faith and know that God can use that to bring comfort to somebody else. How uneasy would you be this morning if, it was, if we had no book of Revelation? If we didn't know how this was going to end, it'd be nerve-wracking, wouldn't it? 
If we didn't know how it was going to unfold, if we didn't know how how it was going to play out and pan out, but thank God John was a suffering witness. But because of his suffering, listen, we now have this wonderful book that tells us things to come in the world that we live. What causes us pain today can and will be used by God to bring comfort to others in the days to come. Second Corinthians 1, he talks about the God of all comfort who is able to comfort us in all our tribulations so that we may be able to comfort others. And you see how could John on the outpath, I mean, listen, he's there and he's thinking, man, I can't build a church here. There's nobody to win. I can't preach. There's nobody to listen. I can't sing. I can't, I mean, there's nothing that I can do for God. And God said, hey, John, there's some papyrus over there. I don't know how he got that. I don't know how it got there, but there were some scrolls there. There was some paper there. And there was a pen there. And there was some ink there. And oh, John, I took out his pen and Jesus said, John, I'm going to show you some things you never would have seen if you hadn't got to where you are. And it's through our suffering that God allows us to see things that we never would have seen if we never hurt. He was a sympathetic witness. He was a suffering witness. I'm talking about on the Lord's day. This is the kind of man that was there. Verse 9, he says, For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. The Lord's day, there's a witness. John, he was sympathetic. I mean, what he had gone through, <laughs> it'd been hard for me to think about what anybody else was going through. If he'd been a good ba- average Baptist, I shouldn't say good average Baptist. He'd been like, hey, I'm writing to all y'all that got it better than me. You ain't none of y'all ever been boiled with oil. Ain't none of y'all ever been out here. So don't you talk to me about what you're going through, what I'm going through. Isn't it awful when you talk to somebody and you're trying to share a burden with them? And before you even get done, they're always telling you how they've had, they had it worse than you've had it. Isn't that awful? It's awful. <laughs> but he was a suffered witness. The Isle of Patmos was no vacation resort. There were no shuffleboard games going on there. No tennis courts. And there was, this was not some resort. This was not some paradise. But a barren island in the middle of nowhere. And he was hurt. He was hurt. Thank God he would, God would use that hurt to bring comfort to others. But I'm going to say this about John. He was a steadfast witness. John wouldn't give up. John wouldn't give up. Just don't quit. John wouldn't quit. You know, when I started out down there in Murfreesboro at the Water and Sewer Department, I hated it. I did. I ain't going to lie, I hated it, but I had to pay bills. It's amazing. If you don't eat, how hard the things you'll do to work. Amen. It's funny how that works. We was at McDonald's the other day, up there, we was, we was at a McDonald's, and they was lined up around the building. We waited in line for like 20 minutes, got to the window, and the woman said, uh, we're not taking too many, any more orders, we're, we're too busy. <laughs> I bet, listen, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, I've been real, I've always tried to be nice, 
because I'm thinking, boy, they, they're working here. This ain't a good job, you know. And, and I mean, if they give me chicken nuggets or chicken fingers or chicken tenders or if they give me a double quarter pounder or a single or a big, if I, I don't care. As long as I got something. Brother Gavin was coming up here the other night to preach and he hadn't eaten. He stopped at McDonald's and he ordered two double cheeseburgers and uh, uh, something and something. And, and Brother Jason, he got his bag and uh, he, got up, he got up halfway up the road and he went to bite one and there was no meat on it. <laughs> uh, that couldn't have happened to a better person <laughs> but the other night I told Kim I said they get that $15 an hour I'm about to be a little bit more high on my expectations <laughs> I'm not saying be mean or rude but hey I said light eyes honey that ain't light eyes but anyway but brother Aaron I remember uh Working down there, and man, it was awful. I mean, I, I mean, it was awful. And it's like they wanted to get you. They wanted you to quit. And I mean, I remember the first manhole I had to go in. I'm not going to say much because lunch is coming, but I don't want to ruin anybody's lunch already. But I remember they had to put. You know, you have to monitor. You have to send down the the, the monitor, and, and this thing's beeping and going off there. Oh, this. They said, "All right, this thing's bad. It ain't been cal- ain't been collimated in a while." I said, okay, you know, and then, <laughs> and then they got that air. Here, we're going to put this air. We'll, we'll, we'll give you fresh air. Don't worry if it's bad. It'll circulate out. And they hooked me up to this uh, tripod, and I had it on this harness. It was about three sizes too small for me, and they, start, and they, and they lowered me down in there. And, and, I mean, listen, it was roach. It's like every roach bug in the city was living in that manhole, and you had to get down there, and, and it was awful. But you know what they told me, Brother Aaron? They said, the key to working here is don't quit. Just don't quit. I said everybody quits. They never make it past. <laughs> I got one boy a job down there, and he never made it to his 90-day evaluation. He quit. And they said, just don't quit. If you'll just hang around, if you'll just do it and just keep on, then sooner or later, everybody that was hired before you and everybody's hired, they'll be gone. You'll, be, you'll have superiority. You'll, have, you'll be making good money. And you know what I've done? I just didn't quit. And by the time I left, I was the one saying, oh, don't worry about that gas monitor. It ain't been bad. Don't worry about that. It'll be all right. You know, they used to do this. Now, listen, if you ever, if you ever put out asphalt, don't fall for this trick. The, the first day we'd put was paving. They said, uh, spray. they had diesel fuel spraying their shovels and the buckets. They said, here, spray this on the bottom of your boots and the asphalt wants to. I said, okay. I sprayed the bottom of my boots, both my boots. But when the asphalt showed up, I, st- I took one step on that asphalt. Let me tell you something. It sets your feet on fire. And it wasn't just a few years, brother Aaron. I was the one saying, hey, if you put asphalt on your boots, <laughs> it won't burn as bad. It'll... I'm saying that's a bad, but what I'm saying is, John would not give up. Amen. All his preacher buddies were gone. They've done crucified Peter upside down. They beheaded James. I mean, listen, they've killed them all. They're all dead. They've done taken old Paul and cut his head off there at the chopping block. But old John's still there on the Lord's day. Amen. He's still ready to go to church. You just couldn't get rid of John. He was like a bad cold. He'd just hang around. And hey, and listen to me this morning. A lot of living for God and serving God is being steadfast and saying, I'm not going to quit if people are mean to me. I'm not going to quit if the preacher don't shake my hand I'm not going to quit I'm going to keep going and keep going and keep going and you hang around and for long you'll be something special 
He said, I ain't quit. Amen. If anybody had a reason not to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day, it was John. But here he was. You know why, Brother Titus, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day on this day? I believe because he was on the Spirit, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day every Lord's day. In the, in the Old Testament, there's one of, I wish I knew the rest. I believe it's Jeremiah where he says, if, if this is how you act, he said, what will you do in the swelling of Jordan? He said, if you're running right now, if you're scared right now, what are you going to do when the waters get high? What are you going to do when the... Listen to me this morning. I'm saying this. That John was a steadfast witness. I may not be able to be the best preacher. I know I'm not. I may not ever have the biggest church. I may never have the largest ministry. But I tell you what I can do. I can take my Bible and I can open it up and I can preach and I can study and I can witness and I can love and I can serve and I can refuse to give up. And I tell you what you can do. You may not be the biggest and the best and the brightest but you can come and be faithful and say, Lord, I know I can't do much, but I can be there and I can show up. He was steadfast. The Bible says this in verse 9, for the Word of God, He was steadfast in regards to the Scripture. The Word of God. The Bible. The Word of God. You know what's being attacked right now? The Word of God. Let me, let me help you with something. This LGBTQ, whatever, it's an attack, Brother Larry, on the Word of God. The other day in Congress, one of the congressmen, if y'all seen this, he quoted Deuteronomy 22.5, I believe it is, in regards to this LGBTQ, and the, one of the congressmen said, the Word of God has no authority in Congress. If you go outside the House of Congress, engraving in the pillars is the Word of God. I want you to know this, children, the Word of God is under attack. The Word of God is under attack. And listen, John said, you don't know why I'm here. You don't know why I'm on this cause of the Word of God. Why? Because John wouldn't give it up. He wouldn't compromise on it. He wouldn't sell it out. He said, it's true. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to follow it. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to cave in. I'm going to hold on. And listen, this morning, we ought to be steadfast in the Word of God and say we're not letting it go. We're not turning it over. We're going to hold to what this book says. And there's no telling what it's going to cost us, but it's going to cost us. And we got John that made up his mind. Brother Larry, whatever the cost, he was going to pay it. For the Word of God. Do you understand? I want everybody to look at your Bible if you got one. Just look at it. I want you to look in your lap and your hands. I want you to look at that. I want to tell you something. That thing right there costs people a whole lot. If you've never studied church history, y'all do a little research. If you've, if you've never studied uh, 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 those dark ages I was talking about, if you've never learned read about it, if you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, I want to tell you right now, go home and get it and start reading it and realize what men and women, men like Polycarp and others and Wycliffe and, and all those Gutenberg and those men, they were burned alive. They were killed over the Word of God. Why? Because the Catholic Church didn't want the common man to have the Word of God in a common language. They wanted to be able to tell people what the Bible said instead of people read it for themselves. And they were willing to kill over it. 
Amen. They are willing to kill over it. And old John, you know why John was born alive and hot oil called to the Word of God? You know why he's on the Apartments? The Word of God. But you know why he's a hero of the faith? Because of the Word of God. I see people in these times selling out on the Word of God. The Bible does not teach. Mm, I want to help. I want to be careful what I say here. I'm going to be very careful what I say here. No race is superior to another race. We're all one blood. And I believe that's the way it should be. I don't believe anybody should be discriminated against because of their color. Brother Justin, I believe if you go apply for a job and, and there's an Asian man, there's an African man, there's a Hispanic man, there's, I believe that all of y'all should be hired on one premise, qualifications. I believe my child, my children, when they start trying to, applying to college and, and looking to, I believe that I, if they don't deserve it, I've told my kids, I said, if you're not smart enough to get a scholarship or you're not good enough at ball to get a scholarship, guess what you're going to do? You're going to have to learn to work. Amen. Just plain old work. Amen. Amen. But I think, Brother Jason, when these kids go to apply, I believe it ought not to be based on their gender. I believe a girl that's smarter than a boy ought to get a scholarship over that dumb boy. I believe if it's an age, I don't care. I'm saying I believe and I believe that. But that's not what we're hearing. In the Bible, listen, if you're going to stand against that, the social gospel, the social justice. Listen, all this that's going on, these men, there's preachers that are cowing down to it and they're actually standing in a pulpit. I saw a video, this preacher was preaching. He said, I just want to publicly apologize for being white. The Bible don't tell me to do that. Amen. I ain't got no control over what color I am. Y'all hold on about three months and I won't be. I'll be brown. I will. The pigment of my skin does not make me who I am. It's my heart and it's my, it's my, it's my mind and my soul. All I'm saying, you say, oh, that's no big deal. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. There's other things we could talk about, but I'm not going to for sake of time. But I'm saying this, we're about to be willing to be steadfast on the Word of God. And I'll say this for you, and I know you all ready to go probably. I'm not yet. The fish, I feel like there's two fish that just bit, so I'm going to keep preaching. The water's is getting warm and the fish is starting to go. But the Word of God, I'm saying this because if we're going to go to church, we're going to have a church that believes the Bible, guess what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to be talked bad about. We're going to have to be run down. They're going to think less of us. They're going to make fun of us because we don't participate. They want me to come and, and march in one of these BLM things they had up there at school. I said, I ain't going to be there. Because I love, I've been loving black people for a long time. Been picking them up on church buses since I was 16 years old. And little Hispanic kids and little white children. And all of, I love them all the same. And I'm not going to identify and say I love one race more than another race. I believe they all look the same if they're under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I think they all look the same if they're washed in the blood. And listen to me, they look all the same if they're burning in hell as well. They're all going to look the same in the lake of fire. They're all going to look the same in that place of outer darkness. And they're all going to look the same under the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you don't like certain people because of their race, let me tell you something. Don't go to heaven. It's going to be the most diverse culture place you've ever been. 
<laughs> you say, how do you know? Every kindred, every tongue, every tribe. Oh, it's going to be good when we get to heaven, Brother Aaron. I can't wait to be able to put my arm around a, uh, an African man and put my arm around a Chinese man and, 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 uh, and, all, and a redneck. All of us just join arm in arm. And you know what? We're not going to be talking about what color each one of us is. We're going to be looking at the one who loved us and died for us and arose for us. We're going to be pressing his name and saying hallelujah to the lamb that was slain. And worthy is the lamb. I'm saying my Bible teaches me that all men are sinners. Amen. That all have come short of the glory of God. And there's none righteous, no, not one. But it also tells me that He died for all men. Amen. That He died for all men. And it also tells me that whosoever will, I can come to Him. Amen. Red, yellow, black, and white. And they're all precious in His sight. And I'm not going to compromise on that. I don't know about y'all. In regards to the scriptures, He would not, He was steadfast. I think it was Wycliffe they burned at the stake. <sighs> yeah. And I, and I don't know the words exactly, but basically he said this. He said, one day the, the plowman will know the Bible better than the priest. And sure enough, sure enough it was. In regards to Scripture, he was steadfast. But listen to this in verse 9. For the testimony... Jesus Christ. In regards to the Scripture, He's steadfast, but in regards to His Savior, He was steadfast. John said, I got a testimony, and I'm not going to let it go. He cared about His testimony. He cared about the testimony of Christ. You see, what was going on is this. These political leaders in His time were trying to force these men who were eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ to change their testimony of Him. They, they was wanting them, these men to say something they didn't want. They was wanting them to say that they had seen things that they didn't see and heard things that they didn't hear. They were wanting to alter the testimony of Jesus Christ the, because, listen, these, their testimony, listen to me, you want to know why? Because it was powerful. It was powerful. You see, John could say, hey, I remember the last miracle. You know, the first miracle Jesus performed was at a wedding. And I'm not trying to get, we're about to finish these miracles. The last one he performed was at a funeral. A wedding is supposed to be the happiest day of a person's life. And then the funeral is the saddest day. And John said, listen, I know y'all want me to tell you something that I ain't said, but I'm going to tell you, he said, he could say, I remember old Lazarus was dead. He was dead for four days. He began to stink and Mary had they sent for us and, and, uh, and told us and Jesus showed up four days and oh, Mary was burning and Martha was worried. But I remember him walking outside the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he walked out. I saw that. I saw that. And then Roman leaders said, all right, let's change this a little bit. The man wasn't really dead. He was just sick. He was sleeping. And y'all thought he was. He said, no, I can't say that because he was stinking. He was rottening. Corruption had done. He was dead. No, but, but John, do you understand what we're saying? We understand what you think happened, but we need you to say this. And John said, I can't do it. I can't go back on what I saw the Lord do. 
I I, he said, I can't go back on what I saw him do. I can't go back on that day, on that, that day, that first resurrection, that first Lord's day. He said, I can't go. They said, John, surely he wasn't dead. Huh, maybe it was somebody. He said, oh no, <laughs> he was dead for sure. John could say, I was standing there at the cross and I watched the blood come out of his side. I watched him say, it is finished. I watched him cry and say, Father, in thy hands, how come in my spirit he gave up the ghost? John would say, I saw, I saw him take his body and wrap it in them robes and burial cloths and carried to the tomb of Joseph of Marimathea. John said, I was there on that first resurrection morning. He said, I saw the stone was rolled away. I heard him whisper, Mary, I saw his re I know what I'm telling you is right. They said, well, John, we're going to have to kill you for that. He said, well, get to killing because I ain't changing what I'm going to say about Jesus Christ. We need to be steadfast in our witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't say witness of, I believe we ought to be, but our witness to. Amen? The Jesus of the Bible is not the Jesus that's being preached today. He's not the same Jesus. Amen? Amen? That's why John was on Patmos. In regards to the Scripture, he was steadfast in regards to his Savior. Oh, listen, this morning we need to have the same, we need to ask God to help us to have the same resolve, to have that no matter what they put on the TV and what they put out in the newspaper and what people say and the comments they make and the, and the attacks they make and, and all that and, 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 and the way they come after us and come at us, we need to say, you know what, we're going to be steadfast even if it means going to the Isle of Patmos. Because on the Isle of Patmos, Jesus was there. Waiting on John. 